12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm excited. I know it's a busy time for folks. I know spring breaks going on for different counties, different schools, all that. People traveling around doing things. And, uh, but we're going to keep pressing on. Amen. And I'm real excited about how the Lord has led me. I've had this in my heart for some time. And uh, I just, it just seemed good to me to begin tonight. We're going to start a new series, a new emphasis uh, tonight on the gifts of the Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, I hope you're interested. <clears throat> I hope you're interested. You know, I was thinking on the way over here, driving over here, that, um, you know, God needs a church who uh, is interested in the development of their spiritual life. You know, so I understand, and, and there's, there's such a, a, a wonderful and right place for teachings on family, marriage, Financial stewardship, healing, health, how to live in this earth. But you know, I think that in the name of political correctness and, and, and all of this kind of a catering thing, that, we, that the, much of the church has become a self-help church. And they have stopped trying, those staffs, those pastors, they've, they've stopped trying to get people interested in raw, Spirit, you know, interest in the, the people's personal and corporate spiritual development. But for the plan of God's sake, God needs a church. The plan of God is not going to be fulfilled. We're not going to have the revival. We're not going to have the fruit. We're not going to have the soul saved. We're not going to have uh, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the, the things that God wants to accomplish in this era. Uh, without a people that are developed beyond the elementary stages of Christianity. And uh, it's not a new decision, not a, not a new thing for me, but I, I want to be one of those churches. You know, that we're, we're at least interested. I'm, I'm interested. I like, I like messages on, you know, pastors, they, they can't just be focused on two or three topics in the Bible. You know, uh, when you get out, uh, you know, for instance, traveling ministers like my spiritual father, Dr. Michael Jacobs, you know, he could preach on a lot of things, and he did while he was a pastor. But when you get him on the road, he's going, what's he going to talk about? He's going to talk about angels. He's going to talk about healing. He's going to talk about deliverance. He's going to talk about the prophet's ministry. He's going to talk about faith. And he's just going to run those circles. Very, you know, if the Lord lead him, he could, he could go here and go there. It's not like he doesn't know. But a pastor can't be so specialized. A pastor in the body of Christ has to be a general practitioner. Right? We got we to teach people how to put their pants on in the morning. You know what it, what it means to be a good husband, what it means to be a good wife. Teach on faith, teach on prayer, a, a, a whole gamut of things. But launching out into this topic is not an icing issue. Icing on the cake. Uh, every single one of us ought to be deeply interested, amen, in uh, this topic. Hallelujah. And I'm just excited about it, amen. And, and uh, tonight's just going to be a very, you know, it's going to be an introduction. We'll, we'll see how far we'll get. I, I wanted to read uh, a portion of something that, um, I hope I don't confuse folks. You know, I, I don't hop around and have a lot of spiritual dads. God connected my wife and I with Dr. Dufresne, Pastor Nancy. And I, I, I said, I'm going to be with Dr. till the end. And I was. Right? I mean, until he went to heaven. My, he went to heaven in uh, 2013. And Pastor Nancy still sits on the board of our ministry. She'll be here later this year. She speaks into my life as a, you know, as a pastor. And, uh, of course, she's, she's not pastoring anymore either. She's traveling. But God talked talk to me about Dr. Jacobs, that I needed him, he needed me. You know, you understand, you know, if I call Dr. Dufresne my spiritual father, he is. Anyway, I trust you're not confused. But this is uh, Dad Dufresne's book, Anointings and Mantles, How to Flow with Anointings and Mantles. And 
We'll cycle these th- books through from time to time in our bookstore on our table. If you ever have a chance to get yourself a copy of one of these, you need to. And But this is actually his last little chapter uh, in this book, and it's called The Day of the Move of the Spirit. And so here's how Dad concludes. He says, let's get back. Let's get back to Pentecost. Let's get back to believing in the offices of the apostle and the prophet. Let's get back into the things of the Spirit. Let's get back to these specialty anointings because they're going to be increased. And if we don't want to go with it, He'll pass us over and go to another group that's hungry. But I ain't missing it. Amen Amen to that. If the Lutherans are hungry and get it, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go get ordained with them. I'm going to go with the Holy Ghost. You can't settle down and just do it the, the way it's always been done. By faith, you've got to reach out and say, Father, for this move and for this era, what do you want me to do? Don't think yesterday's ways will work. It's the, days, it's the day of the move of the Spirit, and it's going to take faith to reach forward into the next realm. Now, I want this series in part not to just be informative, but I want it to be an action of our church as a whole reaching by faith forward into more of what God has for us in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual arena. Amen? Praise God. By faith, you've got to reach out and say, well, I read that already, sorry. Uh, It's going to take faith to reach forward into the next realm. It's going to take faith to reach forward into the next phase. It's going to take faith to reach into more miracles, signs, and wonders. You, listen to this statement. You can have as much as you reach for. You can have as much as you reach for. That's true concerning the things of the Spirit, but that's true concerning any of, anything that you want to talk about with God. Prosperity, healing, health, strength, wisdom. Come on, how much wisdom can we walk in? All that you have faith to reach for. All, ha- all, that, all that you have faith to go after and pursue and lay hold of. There's no limit. So reach for it with your faith and say, I'm not staying where I've been, but I'm moving forward to the abundance that's in front of me. You see, you know, for this church, um, really this church is a church of the few. Now I don't mean in number, but I mean in terms of percentage. Uh, what I'm aiming at is not numbers for numbers' sake. But I'm looking for those who want to hook on who want more. Who want all. Who are interested in growing up. Walking out the plan of God. Reaching their full potential in God, not only individually, but in their family. But not only in their family, but as a corporate body. As a corporate body. And if if that's your heart, well then see, you'll fit with us wonderfully. Amen. But if you're looking for the entertainment center, you didn't find it here. Praise God. That doesn't mean we don't have a good time. Amen. Then he goes on and says, Say, I'm moving forward to the abundance that's in front of me. And for those who will reach forward into that supernatural realm, there's going to be a supply that's going to meet your reach. You know, maybe you've never been used before in the gifts of the Spirit. If you'll reach during this series, I believe that'll kick in for you. If you've been used, keep reaching. Because to whatever degree God has used you, He wants to use you more. Dr. Jacobs would say, I remember him saying, whatever that gift in you has done, Up to now, it can do more. Whatever that pastoral gift in me for people has done, it can do more. It's going to do more. Whatever that healing anointing that God put in my hands has done so far, it can do more. And it's going to do more. Why? Because I'm reaching. Are you you willing to reach with me? Hallelujah. And you're not going to have to work off what you've been working on. You're not going to have to work off of what you've been working off of. In other words, God's going to supply more. There's more ahead. There's more supply. There's more income. 
There's more workers, more equipment, and more buildings. And I'm just claiming all of that for World Harvest Church. It's a new day. More workers are coming. More supply is coming. The buildings are coming. Come on, the anointings, the wisdoms, the giftings for us to accomplish what God has put in our heart to do is coming. Amen. It comes with those and for those who reach forward into the supernatural. Now's not the time to quit. It doesn't pay to quit. I've had a bunch of opportunities, and I have too, (laughs) but I didn't take them. My love for God and His love for me are better than anything the devil can throw my way. The future is bright. The world is falling apart, but our future is bright. I want to leave you with a quote from a man God allowed me to sit under uh, my association uh, under his association, environment, and influence, his name is Dr. Lester Sumrall. This is something Dr. Lester, uh, Dr. Sumrall said. He said, when I didn't quit, I won. Come on. When I didn't quit, I won. If you do not quit, you will win. If you do not quit, you will win. I love this next part. Whatever you start, complete it. If the place is hard, finish it. If people are against you, hold fast. God will deliver you from all your oppressors and all your enemies. No condition in the world will last forever, good or bad. It will always turn out for good to those who will be faithful to the Most High God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And so we're going to launch out. And it'll be a Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday thing. It'll be a kind of a continuation. So come, come ready. Come expecting. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 1. Paul said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant. Uh, praise God. Let me get to my actual text here. I was reading off my notes. You know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no one, no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And then he lists nine manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Now we'll get to those in due course. But I wanted you to see and emphasize verse number 1 and verse number 7. Let's read those again back to back. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. That's my paraphrase. I would not have you ignorant. But the manifestation... Now that word means the appearing. The Greek word means a shining forth. So these nine gifts of the Spirit that the Bible talks about that we will study in great detail... Uh, is the Holy Ghost shining forth for people to see. All of the manifestations of the Spirit are manifestations of the Holy Ghost. They are Him manifesting Himself. Different ways. So when the gift of prophecy is in operation, it is not a man speaking... It is the Holy Spirit through a man or through a woman manifesting Himself. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I want you to notice briefly that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? To every man. Now what does that mean? It it means to every member of the body of Christ. Right? Not just people with special callings. The gifts of the Spirit are not just for preachers. They're for you. And you and you. 
And I mean each and every member of the body of Christ. So there should be an expectation in you that is ongoing. That the Holy Spirit wants to manifest Himself as He wills through me in a supernatural way. Now, not to, you know, be hard on yourself, but when was the last time? When was the last time one of these gifts manifested in and through you? That'll just kind of help you uh, locate where you might be. Doesn't mean it's bad. You might be right where you're supposed to be in your spiritual development, right? It could be that some things have been greatly neglected. It could mean that you just have not known Right? That takes me back to what Paul said in the first verse here. Notice how Paul opens up. He says, now, the first word is now. Now. In other words, he's introducing a new thought from what he's been talking about up to now. Now. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, my brethren, I don't want you to be what? I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. Amen. Now, uh, how many of you in your Bibles that word gifts is italicized? It's in italics in your Bible. It should be. Now, what that means in your English Bible is that it was added by the translators and was not in the original Greek text. Now, why did they add it? Well, they, they thought that that added word would, would help focus our thought, right? And, and it would create, create clarity and emphasis. Now, a lot of times when uh, these italics are put in, they help us. And, and this, isn't a, this isn't an egregious insertion of a word here at all. But uh, sometimes these added words, they hinder us. They hurt us. Because God didn't say gifts. So if you take the word out, what are you left with? He says, now concerning spiritual, my brethren. Well, that sounds a little broken, doesn't it, in the English? That sounds a little incomplete. No doubt that's why they put the word gifts in there. But if it, it prompted me one time, and it's prompted many, to look up the word spiritual. What is that Greek word that God originally breathed upon Paul to write? And it's a phrase that means things that pertain to the Spirit. You might want to write that down. Write it in your Bible so you don't forget it near that word. So what Paul really said here is, now I want to talk to you about spiritual matters or things that pertain to the Spirit. Dr. Dufresne wrote another book by that title, Things That Pertain to the Spirit. Now, notice that's broader than just gifts. So do you see how that would hinder us? The word gifts is going to narrow us down to these nine manifestations listed here. But Paul is talking, right, more broadly about all things that pertain to the Holy Ghost. Follow me so far? Hallelujah. And so you need to, you need to understand this because, uh, let me say this, and then we'll get kind of into some meat and taters, as Dr. Jacob says, uh, of the message tonight. Um, that you understand that really you ought to read 12 13, and 14 as one unit. You know also about your Bible, I trust, that Paul did not write this letter to the Corinthians in chapters and verses. He just started writing under the unction and inspiration of the Holy Ghost, and it was one long, continuous letter, right? Until he got to the end, said amen, or however it ends. In chapter 15, 16. We broke it up into chapters and verses for convenience, for teaching, and for reference sake. Now again, that helps us, doesn't it? But it also can hinder us. It can also hurt us. For instance, if I were to ask you, what is the subject of 1 Corinthians chapter 13? What's its reputation? What would you say? That's the love chapter. Well, you're certainly not wrong. But it's incomplete. 
you know, being careful not to get ahead of myself. Look at the last verse of chapter 12. It would be verse 31, right? Paul said, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Then he goes into what we call the love chapter. But Paul didn't call it a love chapter. He didn't say, now hold on, I'm going to stop talking to you about spiritual gifts. I'm going to talk to you about love a minute. Like it's a separate deal. He says, number one, covet earnestly. That means have a strong desire for the spiritual gifts. That's one thing that I'm also hoping and believing God for, for our church, for you as an individual, for us as a corporate body, that, that God will use me to stir up your hunger, your desire for these gifts to come into manifestation. Because that hunger, that desire is a key to them manifesting. Amen. You know the Holy Ghost does more where He's wanted than He does where He's not wanted? Doesn't that make sense? So he's saying, if I could have a people, if I could have a church that wants, that covets, that, right? The Holy Spirit to manifest Himself. I will. But if you don't want me to, He's not likely to. This series is entitled, The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. See, he, he, remember, these gifts, are not, it's not just about miracles or prophecy or speaking a tongue, interpreting a tongue. These are manifestations of a divine being who has feelings and thought. He is a divine person. That's why, think about if, you're the, if you were the Holy Ghost and you're the part of the Godhead that is omniscient everywhere and you hear... One of Jesus' people say, we don't want any of that Holy Ghost stuff going on on our Sunday morning service. Well, he heard that. See, they're not just manifestations. They're manifestations of a divine person. Think about words like that, how they must grieve him. And he will certainly accommodate them. I had a pastor one time, we were at a, a citywide, region-wide prayer breakfast and bumped into him, had a nice conversation, like this person, on a personal level. We had a church very different in thought from mine, one of these modern, seeker-sensitive type churches. And he, he'd asked me, he said, now I hear that you have quite a few gifts of the Spirit manifestation in your church. Well, he didn't get that email from me, I don't know what he's hearing. And I said, well, we've got, you know, not what we want, but we do at times. Yeah, praise God. He goes, you know, I'm not against it, but we never have any. Well, and, uh, you know, you just say, mm-hmm, have, enjoy your breakfast and go on. But, you know, what are you going to do? Not, I'm not his prophet. But you walk off, you'd be interesting if you were inside me sometimes. You wouldn't want to live there probably, but... I just walked off with my plate of eggs and said, well, I know why. You don't ever teach on them. Tongues are banned in your service. Anybody gets, because you don't want anything going on to make anybody, any visitor nervous. I talked to another pastor one time (laughs) over breakfast. And uh, actually it was a lunch and he, he told me his number one goal, his number one goal on a Sunday morning with a visitor was to get them to come back. That was their, that was his number one goal. Now that is local church growth guru talk. He didn't say that they'd have an encounter with God, that they would hear truth, that they would be convicted, that they would be born again, that they'd have their sins forgiven, that they'd find their place in the local church. How selfish. How shallow. My number one goal is to get them to come back. So he dogs and pony shows and... Anyway, but see, the Holy Ghost is a person and He's not going to manifest Himself in these precious formats and ways where He's not wanted 
desired, or regarded. Amen. And I know that we have achieved that in a level, but I, I want to stir us up again. I want Him. I want God. I want His presence. I, I want because, oh, praise God. However He wants to manifest Himself, He's smarter than we are. He knows what the people need. He knows what would bring a person to God. Amen. People act today like the Holy Ghost is offensive to people. It's offensive to think that way about the Holy Ghost. What's really happening a lot of times is God, these manifestations shine and magnify what's in a person's heart. And it's not good. And people react to that in different ways. Amen. Well, I don't want people in my church who aren't right. You know, that's one thing about the gifts of the Spirit in a local church. It'll keep church clean. Maybe you would think twice about committing adultery or sinning or going into a bar or whatever if you knew that pastor laid across his bed at night and prayed in the Holy Ghost. And I had a Holy Ghost periscope. God's television screens are better than 4K, baby. Amen. He's not out to air people's dirty laundry, but... He, you know, I've trusted him and asked him, I need to do more on my part. I'm going to, uh, to make myself available. But I want the Holy Ghost to... The pastor ought to not be the last one to know that he's got a church split going on. See, the Holy Ghost will tell off on people. Not to tell off on people, but to keep a church safe. For the protection. See, a, a church to attend with, for your family that has the, holy, the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation, that's a safe place to put your family. That's a safe place to plant your roots. Now again, look at verse 7. How do I know that? Well, look at that. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to harm them? To harm? To tear up? To do damage? Now what happens when the gifts of the Spirit are in manifestation? There's profit. There's profit. Amen. I mean, your bacon gets saved. Strategies of the devil get revealed. Supernatural insights and nuggets of wisdom that put you over into another realm of victory. Where you avoid the pitfalls and traps of the enemy. Where we don't fall prey to diseases and things because the gifts of healings are in operation. and Signs, wonders, and right? Come on. There's profit, there's gain to be had. Amen. I don't know, maybe somebody's listening or will listen to this later needs to hear it. The gifts of the Spirit, if you pastor, pastor, if you're going to let the gifts of the Spirit have His way in your church, He's not going to hurt your church. He's not going to hurt your church. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I'm trying to... Introduce this. So he begins talking in 1 Corinthians 12, and he stays on that subject all the way through what we call chapter 14. He's not changing his topic. What we call the love chapter is what Paul called in the last verse of the 12th chapter, the more excellent way into the gifts of the Spirit. Of course, love is, we can lift that out. Amen, like we do and talk about it, and grow in the love of God. But in context, you need to understand, he's saying, desire these gifts, but there's a more excellent way into their operation, into their demonstration, and that is to really begin to walk in love. How many times have you read about, when you read your Gospels, that Jesus healed whole multitudes of people, but before it says He healed the whole multitude, it says He was moved, Come on, with compassion. So see, there's Jesus moved in to a whoa, heavy level of the gifts of the Spirit and operation in His ministry. How did He move into that? He was moved into it by His heart of compassion for people. 
See, it's not compassionate to quench the Holy Ghost. But he, he, he followed his heart, see. Remember when uh, they had another multitude there and it said that they had, the hour had grown late and the disciples said, you know, Jesus, you, need, you ought to think about letting these people go. It's, we're out here in the desert and there's no food. Let the people go and eat. Remember what Jesus said? You give them something to eat. What's, what's motivating a heart? What's motivating a statement like that? I love them. They're here for me. They're here listening to me. They're here receiving from my ministry. I'm not going to send them away. You feed them something to eat. And all they had was a, some fish and chips, right? But see, through His compassion, through His love, it moved Him over into miracles. So, in this series, we're going to have to talk about love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. But we're not there yet. Hallelujah. I like the amplified version of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. Amen. So, obviously, the first thing Paul deals with here is ignorance. Ignorance is a hindrance to the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Now, ignorance can take on, best I can see it, two forms. There's unwilling ignorance, and then there's willing ignorance. (coughs) So, for a good portion of my Christian life early on, I wasn't in a church that had any regard or knowledge of the gifts of the Spirit. So I was unwillingly ignorant. I didn't want to be ignorant. I didn't mean to be ignorant. I just didn't know. How about you? Have you ever dealt with that? I just I didn't know. Isn't it wonderful to come to a church or someone hands you a book or God puts someone in your life and God uses them to help you see something in the Word? Been there all the time? But you didn't know. You didn't know healing was for you. You didn't know God would pay your bills. You, you know, but then you, you found out. Amen. So ignorance is a problem. So we don't want ignorance of the gifts of the Spirit to be our problem. Well, that means we're going to have to teach on it. Amen. Hallelujah. But then there is the willing ignorance. People who begin to see an inkling, or God opens a door, or they're exposed to a meeting, or a group, or a, they have a service, or they come to a church service, whatever. They're reading their Bible. The Holy Ghost is trying to shine the light on all truth. And He wants every member of the body of Christ to gain and to profit. So He's trying to get people to see. But some people are willfully ignorant. They put their spiritual fingers in their ears and they close their eyes and they go, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know that. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't think, I don't think it takes all that. That's fanatical. That's weird. My pastor told me all that passed away. And then people walk away from divine help. Amen. And then they wonder why they struggle in certain things. So as we begin our study, four things are imperative. might want to write these down if you have something to do that with or go back and study the podcast. Number one, we must know these gifts exist. That's number one. It's imperative that you know these gifts exist. Number two, it's imperative that we each qualify ourselves spiritually to be used in them. Amen. Number three, it's imperative that we gain the knowledge of their operation. How do they operate? How does the word of knowledge operate? How does that differ from the word of wisdom? What is discerning of spirits? How would I recognize in a service the working of miracles versus the gifts of healings? Mm -hmm. 
What is the proper use of diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues? See, it's imperative that we gain this knowledge. Is that not right? Are you interested, church? Amen. I know you are. Praise God. You're doing good. So that's number one was we must know they exist. Number two, we must qualify ourselves spiritually to be used in them. Number three, we must gain the knowledge of their operation. And number four, we must become skillful in the use of them. See, they can begin to operate in your life, but we can, it is possible to misuse, mishandle these manifestations. That's not your heart, is it? That's not my heart. Amen. So we want to learn to become skillful in the use of these gifts. Amen. Now, let's close tonight with one additional thought, and that is, why do they matter? Why do the gifts of the Spirit matter? Go back in 1 Corinthians to the second chapter. Let me just give you a few thoughts about, you know, again, I'm just trying to whet your appetite and stir your interest. Now, maybe you're white, burning, hot, interested. Praise God. Amen. But some people are so used to self-help messages, they have a hard time getting interested in deeper spiritual things. Amen. So, hallelujah. That's half the job, really, is getting people interested. Amen. I know you probably talk, you see that in the medical field. You've got to get people interested in not dying. If they're going to be healed. I've dealt with a lot of people. They're just not very interested in healing scriptures. And they've got something serious going on in their body. They're not, they're not even interested. I don't know. But anyway. So, um, why do the gifts matter? Well, Paul speaks to that. And he says in chapter 2, verse 3, he says, And I was with you in weakness. He means in human weakness and frailty. And in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now he had a definite purpose in ministering this way. And that's revealed in verse number 5. That, or I like to say, so that, right? Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now Paul, they say, historians and theologians say that Paul, intellectually, was perhaps maybe the third uh, most intelligent thinker in humanity's intellectual history. Now my son and I, I do, I do the homeschool science. I get that privilege. And we're going through Newton's laws. And the deeper we get into Newton's three laws of motion, this guy was a whiz kid. I mean, this guy was smart. We're talking about people like Galileo and, you know, smart people. They say Paul was at the top. Maybe the top three intellects, minds. Of any person that's walked a planet that we have any record of in history. And Paul says, I made a definite determination. When I, come to, when I came to minister to you, it was not in enticing words of man's wisdom. In other words, he said, I didn't come in my ministry to you at Corinth relying on my wit, on my intellect, on my ability to backflip you over with fancy words and eloquence from the Scriptures. Now, he was trained under Gamaliel, one of the top Pharisees ever. He was, he said himself in the Scriptures, I was a Jew's Jew. I graduated top of my class from the tribe of Benjamin. But he, he said in Philippians 3, I laid all that aside. I laid all that aside. That's all but gunk and junk and dog poo. When it compares to experiencing Him and knowing Him. And the power of His resurrection. 
So Paul said, I made a definite determination not to come to you with a, get this term, word-only gospel. But I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Now, why did he do it? So that people's faith would not be invested in Paul's intellect. In the wisdom of man. But that the people's faith would be where it ought to be. In God and God alone. One of the saddest things that has happened to the modern church is they on purpose made it, Deacon Philip, a word-only gospel. We come church, word-only. We're just words only. That's all I'm willing to accept is words only. And they better be sweet words. They better tickle my ears. God never, if you read the book of Acts, it wasn't a word-only gospel. It wasn't a word-only gospel. See, so here's one of the reasons why the gifts matter. we got to have the power of God in demonstration so that people's eyes will be on God and not man. Listen, when we get into a greater flow of the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, 16 acres won't be enough. Two services a week won't be enough. The people will come. Remember, that word manifestation, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, means a shining forth. Some people translate that a show. God is going to put on a show in these last days. And no man, no preacher, no personality is going to get the limelight or the credit Once again, the people's eyes and hearts and attention will be on God. Hallelujah. That's what we want. God help you if your faith is in me. If your eyes are on me. I'm doing the best I can, but I'm not Him. Amen. Glory to God. Do you see why these gifts matter? Last scripture, I think. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. You need the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in your life because it's going to season your life with the supernatural. There'll be a heavenly glow about your life that people cannot deny. I hear it all the time. Brother Paul and I were talking about it in the back room. You know, so much debate going on between Christians and atheists. Debate, debate, debate. All this debate going on between Christians of different camps and different denominations and different religions. Listen, if we had the power of God at work, we wouldn't have to debate. You stop all that debate. Elijah showed up on Mount Carmel one day and he didn't say, gather all the prophets of Baal, we're going to have a debate. Oh no. He said, we're going to find out who's God's God today. Today. Let's create us a wooden altar. You call on your God. I'll call on my God. The God who answers with fire. Let Him be God. And they got to calling those false prophets of Baal. They started marching and moaning and grinding and, and doing all their prayers and calling and calling. And you know, Elijah gets an attitude. I'd love to have seen it. He gets to mocking them. Hey, maybe you need to talk louder. Maybe your God can't hear you. So they started screaming. Then they cut themselves. 
Then finally he got the end and said, y'all have had your chance. But before I go, wet that wood. Wet it down. Wet it down really good. Pour it with, down with water. And then, of course, he called, he called on God and God answered with fire and consumed that wood and licked up the water. And then Elijah said, don't let one of them escape. It's 400 of them, false prophets of Baal. And you know, now Elijah, before he's standing alone, but now he's got friends. Now he's got people's attention. And now he turns to people who are just spectators, maybe his enemy. And now they're on his side. They let none of them escape. He slayed all 400 of those false prophets of Baal. And he said, if God be God, then worship God. If Baal be God, then worship Baal. But you're going to have to choose a side. He didn't win a debate. Power settled it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Woo, glory. Power. Power. Come on, power. We got to get back. Dad said, we got to get back. We got to get back to Pentecost. We got to get back to the Holy Ghost. We got to get back to prayer. We got to get back to fasting. We got to get back to calling on God to move in power. Hebrews 2.4 says, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with different miracles and what? Gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. In other words, God authenticated their ministry. He authenticated their ministry. And those, those ministers, those, what He just talked about was these miracles, these signs, these miraculous endowments, these gifts of the Spirit were both an attraction and an authentication of the message. Now, I've never been on a Navy submarine, but I did watch the hunt for Red October. Good movie. And uh, I remember when orders came in, those orders came in and they were cracked, the little thing that they cracked open, and they had that, that message before it could be acted on as legitimate. It had to be authenticated. That they didn't get some false message to launch missiles or do something. You see... The gospel is not supposed to be a word-only gospel. All we got's words. The atheist isn't going to be won over with words because it's not about words. Their heart is evil. They don't want God. They know He exists. The Bible says every atheist is a fool. They know that there's a God. Words aren't going to win them. Power. And it's not just for preachers. This is for you. And when you're talking to someone, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost helps you to know something about that person or something going on with that person that you could not know apart from God revealing it to you. You share that with them. How did you know that? I'm telling you. God told me. There's no debate after that. There's a lot more. Um, there's a whole lot more reasons why the gifts matter. We'll just close on this one point tonight that uh, they matter because the power of God in manifestation attracts people to the message. Why should people out there who don't know nothing about nothing, they don't even know to care, why should they give heed to our message? Because our message is authenticated with power. Amen. 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 And this is exactly why Jesus chose the twelve He did. Notice Jesus did not go to the school of the Pharisees in Jerusalem 
and say, who's the valedictorian in here? Who's the top scribe graduating this year? I need 12 of your top word theologians to join my staff. Where did he go? He got him a fisherman and another fisherman and two more fishermen. See, he, needed, he didn't need people with wit. He needed people who knew how to bait things. How to catch things. Picked him a tax collector. They're real popular. Picked him a lawyer. They're even less popular. Are you with me? I'm closing, I promise. You got me to preaching tonight. But Peter and John in the book of Acts, you can read about in Acts chapter 3, they're coming to prayer, right? And there's a man lame at the gate, beautiful, a beggar. And they said, silver and gold, I don't ha- have I none, right? But such as I have, give I thee in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And he leapt and he walked and he was instantly healed. Well, those Sanhedrin, those, those Pharisees, those word people, hauled Peter and John in front of their council, the same council that, that signed off on Jesus' crucifixion and interrogated them and commanded, by what name, by what authority do you do this? And they just said, oh, you, oh really? Well, if you really want to know, it was the one you crucified. Let it be known that this good deed done to a good man was done by faith in the name of Jesus. That this man stands here before you whole. Acts 4.13, this is what they, those councilmen said. They said, when they saw that these were unlearned, ignorant men and had known that they had been with Jesus and noting a notable miracle had been done, and they could not deny it. Jesus picked the ignorant one. He picked the uneducated one. He picked the blue-collar guy who didn't go to seminary, who didn't talk in ten-letter words. But He gave them power. He gave them the anointing to heal. And to prophesy. And those smart people had to let them go. Because indeed a notable miracle was performed and they could not deny it. Stand upon your feet tonight. I'm believing and I know. I'm beyond believing. God is.